You're listening to the Patriot Nation Podcast, presented by Pat's Pulpit. All right, welcome back to the Patriot Nation podcast. This is your boy, Pat Lane. As always, a special announcement today, and because of that special announcement, I am joined by two famed members of uh, of Pat's Pulpit, two fantastic uh, podcasters and writers. Uh, it is Alex Shane and Rich Hill. Thanks so much for coming through, guys. We appreciate it. We're, uh, I think we're kind of excited about this. You're far too kind. You are, without a doubt, far too kind. I appreciate it, but for Alec, come on now. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, famed is not a word I'd use lightly when it comes to me. Uh, probably for all the wrong reasons is why I'm famous. So, uh, but yeah, it, it's good. We I feel like we've been we've been kind of circling each other's stuff all the time. It's good to finally meet and get together with you, Pat, um, on some interesting circumstances. So, um, I'd like to talk about all we got a lot of cool things to break down today. So, I'm looking forward yep. to this one. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. So uh, I guess up first is a uh, – and by the way, Matt is still with us. He just got some personal stuff going on, so he was unable to make it today. So we're all thinking of Matt and uh, and them and whatnot. But uh, things are okay. Just, you know, uh, some family stuff going on. So, um, But anyways, uh, we do have a, a, a fairly big announcement. Um, as we've said on the show before, um, we are uh, leaving Pat's pulpit. Uh, not by choice, um, but we are leaving Pat's pulpit. Um, SB Nation, really Vox, really uh, went through and cleaned house and got rid of a lot of the um, of the podcast for a ton of the different places uh, without really telling anyone. Um, and so Pat's pulpit was one of those. And so we got the axe. Um, but but uh, luckily, we had a few people reach out. Um, and we are moving over to fan sided. Uh, they were lucky enough to kind of, we were lucky enough that they were interested in us and wanted us to to come through. And the nice thing too is that if you're listening in podcast form, nothing is going to change for you. Our podcast uh, is exactly the same. Everything is exactly the same. Now you might notice if you're looking at it, it doesn't say Pat's Pulpit anymore. It says Pat's Nation Network, and that's what we're going to be called from now on. Um, but other than that. And the logo is coming, by the way. It's not done yet, but it's coming. Um, other than that, nothing else for you is going to change. If you're watching live on YouTube, the YouTube channel will change, and we'll get into that. But, uh, but you know, other than other than the name of it, as far as the podcast is concerned, nothing is going to change for you. So, uh, I don't know. I'm pretty excited, guys. What? How do you feel about it? I'm excited about it. Uh- going to do a little bit of a introduction here on our end so alec and i uh our podcast was the pat's pulpit podcast and so that is one that will be no more so i am thrilled uh we are thrilled to introduce uh, our new show as the patriots first and goal podcast uh very excited to walk through that later and what that might look like but excited about what this new chapter is going to look like for us we've been doing the other podcast since 2015 it's been a long time coming uh and you know I feel like sometimes a little bit of change to the formatting, change to how we're going to approach it can do a little bit of good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of nice to be recruited by uh, by a place like Fansided. You know, when Rich and I started doing this, I think we literally started just talking to each other on YouTube with no clue what we were doing. 
And here we are, 200 some odd episodes later. We've got a nice following, and 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 people enjoy what we have to say for some weird reason. So uh, I think it's a good thing. I'm excited about it. It's cool to be kind of coming along with you, Pat, and with, with Matt um, under the umbrella of the Pat's Nation Network. Uh, first and goal, Pat's Nation. I think it all makes a lot of sense. Um, so it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. Oh, and Matt in the chat. Oh, nice. we're doing the show, but excited for the future. We're excited to. Uh, we're excited for the future with you too, as as well, Matt. And uh, Jay Spence from Buffalo Rumblings, because congrats, love you guys, you all deserve it. We love uh, we love Jay Spence over there. He's a great guy, so um, we appreciate that. He's a Bills fan, but that's okay. Don't hold that against him. He's a uh, he's a great guy. So, um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. And you know, the change I think is is something that is interesting, and it does kind of give us a little bit of uh, I don't want to say room to kind of change some things up, but especially for you guys who. Or were the Pat's Bowl podcast, of course, uh, it's a little, a little different. You can't be the Pat's Bowl podcast anymore. So kind of gives you uh, some creative, uh, creative space to kind of do something different. And, um, you know, I think I think sometimes change can be a good thing, you know? Yeah, it's like when, say, you're a free agent and you change your pace and you go to a different team. That's kind of how it works. Right. Nothing lasts forever. Again, I'm still writing for Pat's Pulpit. You will still get my nonsensical ramblings on Pat's Pulpit. Uh, you'll still get my breakdowns, my countdowns, my fan notes. They'll all be there. But just uh, you'll getting your podcast. It's still on Spotify. That's where we do most of our listens. Nothing's really going to change. It's just Patriots first and goal. And uh, you'll still doing your thing, Pat. So, you know, business as usual as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yep. No, that's, that's exactly true. And I'm going to be doing the same thing, uh, still writing for Pat's Pulpit as well. Uh, still got the mock drafts churning out mock drafts. Um, and so, you know, I, I'll be, I'll be doing that, uh, for the foreseeable future until they tell me they can't, uh, honestly, <laughs> until Pat's Paul was like, we don't want you anymore. I'm going to keep doing it. So, yeah. And the way if this thing's happened, you never know, maybe they'll wake up tomorrow and be like, you know what? You guys are all fired. I'll see you later. So let's just, yeah. let's just keep on milking it till we can. Yeah. Or maybe it'll be a Jalen Mills situation where they're like, all right, you're, you're out of here, but wait. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe come on back. I got an idea for you. So right. Was, right. It, uh, was it was it was it Ross Ventrone that like they signed and re-signed and dropped like over like twenty billion times? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll, yeah. we'll, do, we'll go the Ross Ventrone route. Just kind of just kick down, it picked up again. Yep. I love it. I love it. Uh, yes, Dark Blue Gold. Pat and Matt's Pat's chat was a little too wordy. Um, I do like that one though. Um, but yes, a little too wordy. Uh, so anyway, so that's, that's the announcement. Again, if you're listening in podcast form, not a thing is going to change for you. It's going to say Pat's nation network instead of Pat's pulpit. And we're going to have a fancy new logo there. Uh, beyond that, nothing is going to be different for you. You're going to consume it exactly the same way you did. You're going to listen to it exactly the same way you did. Nothing's going to change. If you're watching on YouTube, I am going to drop a link, um, in the chat. I'm going to try to do that tonight. If I can figure out how the hell to do it. Uh, if not, I'll, I'll comment. Uh, I'll comment on the video um, on YouTube with a link to the Patch Nation Network. And really, if you just go on YouTube and sign up for Patch Nation Network, you can do it there. I'm going to throw some links out on Twitter though, because we are going to have a contest. Um, we are doing our live show during the draft, as we always do. Um, and so, we, oh yeah, and Twitch, Dark Blue Gold. I'm sorry, we will be on Twitch as well. So. Um, same thing, Pass Nation Network, um, same thing on Twitch. Um, we will be doing a contest, which I'll announce anyways, but during the first round of the draft, we're doing a live, a live show like we have the last two years. We're doing another one. And, uh, you know, it's a YouTube sign-up contest. We get to a certain amount of numbers. And if you're subscribed to the channel um, and you let us know, right, 
we're going to pick a name out of a hat and we're going to buy something for you. So, uh, we have, we have something special for you. So, uh, anyway, speaking of something special right over, right over my shoulder over here, I got my Marcus Jones Jersey, uh, got it signed by Marcus Jones. My guy, my guy from last year had to get it signed, drove all the way down to Mohegan sun, uh, to get it signed. And then, and then, uh, framed it last weekend. So I was pretty excited to throw that one up there. So, uh, you can't see the autograph. It's there. I promise it is there, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's down the bottom of the two. So it's a little tough to see, but, uh, but I'm, That's I'm pretty damn autograph. excited about it. That's a great autograph. Let's be it's a cool honest. One. It's I'm thinking a cool of like, who are some of the players from last year that, you know, you'd be proud to get an autograph from based yeah. off, you know, it's, it was an up and down year. Right. Uh, Marcus Jones is at the top of the list of like, okay, cool. That person earned his Patriots emblem on his hat. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. And it's, it's funny because I, I, I told the story in the podcast before, but walking into the Jets game, I said to my dad, cause Marcus was my guy. He was like literally the guy, you know, um, Manuel Forbes is my guy this year, but last year my guy was Marcus Jones. I'm like, he's the one. And then they drafted him and then he was incredible. And walking in the Jets game, I said to my dad, if he brings one back at all this year, I'm, I have to go buy, I have to buy a jersey. Um, and then he ends the Jets game with, with a, with a, a return touchdown. So, um, so anyways, so that was, that was pretty cool. So, all right, so let's get into let's get into actual Patriot stuff. We got the announcement done. Let's get into actual Patriot stuff. Free agency is going on, of course. There's draft stuff going on. Uh, Ohio State's pro day was today, um, so lots of stuff flying around. Uh, what is, I guess, uh, I want to go around the room here. What's the best free agency move by the Patriots? Of course, some of them were were guys that got brought in off the street. Some of them are free agent, you know, re-signings. What's the best move in your eyes? Let's start with let's start with you, Rich. And then we'll go to Alec. I have a few. I have a few. The, the one that I think that, you know, at the end of next year, we will all look back and be like, what a great pick. What a great move. What a great move. Jonathan Jones. Jonathan mm-hmm. Jones re-signed for uh, a two-year, $19 million contract in cornerback money. That's not much at all. That that's, That is very solid second cornerback numbers. And he has been... Uh, one of the leaders in the secondary, he stepped in as that CB1 when he was healthy last year and was exceptional in it. His speed is something that they need up and down the board, especially with who they're facing in the AFC East. Uh, you know, He has the exact right skill set that they're looking for. With Devin McCourty's retirement, he is the, you know, the top leader in that secondary. He's someone that Devin McCourty today said John Jones was the one that was calling out all of the plays for the secondary back in 2017. So he's been doing this for a while. He, he's at the top of the food chain in that secondary. Bringing him back gives him some of that stability. Love that retention move. Love it, love it, love it. And very happy that his return means that pretty much everyone other than McCourty is back in that secondary. I like it. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, for a, a lot of intangible reasons, getting Matthew Slater back is pretty much, you can't really understate or overstate how big getting Matthew Slater is back is. Uh, he may not be the Matthew Slater of, of 32 even, but uh, just the emotional leader, the locker room guy. I don't know if the Patriots, with Devin McCourty gone especially, he led the, you know, the huddle, all the sights and sounds. You always heard him firing the defense up. I don't know if they really have a guy to step in with both DMAC and Slater gone. So it's really good to have him back just to transition the younger guys. Maybe school is going to be that guy. Maybe Kyle Duggar is going to be that guy. But just having that last kind of veteran presence to kind of go out with a bang and, and set somebody up. But in terms of the new guys they brought in, uh, maybe I'm I'm more excited than I should be. But I think Mike Gusecki is a great 
Patriots signing. Uh, are they still need yeah. tight end help? I wouldn't even call him a tight end. He's like a big slot guy more than yeah. a than a tight end. But I think he's going to fit so well in that system. Just as like a move guy, you can motion him out. He's, he's a mismatch nightmare, and he always seemed to get the Patriots trouble. Uh, I think he's been underutilized so far in his career, and I feel like Bill O'Brien Belichick can really do good things with him. Okay, I, I have a thought on the the Jacecki one because I, I think that he could be a very good signing. I I feel like the tight end position is so important in the Patriot system. I think it's one of the most mm-hmm. important positions you can have in offense based off of how flexible it makes you. I have this just weird historical mental alignment that the Patriots outside of Rob Gronkowski have really struggled with the tight end position under Bill Belichick. Not in the sense that like they've not been able to contribute in some way, but I feel like they always come under expectations in the sense that, you know, loved Ben Watson. He was a great Patriot. Did he, did it feel like he was ever one of the best tight ends in the league? I don't really think so. Daniel Graham, great leader, great blocker. First round pick though. I don't know. Was that fully thing? Yeah. Uh, outside of Gronkowski, who are we looking at? We, we got Scott Chandler. That didn't really work out. Martellus Bennett for a year. That was pretty good, but that was only because Gronk was hurt. So that's where I'm at, where I'm like, okay, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, not living up to expectations. I love the idea of Jacecki fitting into this, this offense, but I don't necessarily... Uh, like I wouldn't put money down on him excelling or beating expectations. That's my one hesitancy. I, I mean, you're not wrong. And, you know, and dark blue gold's pointing out in the comments, like how many great tight ends do most teams find? And he's not wrong about that either. Right. Um, but I just think, I think the hard thing for me is that you needed a guy and they still need another tight end, by the way, because, yeah. Gasecki, as Alec pointed out, isn't really a tight end. I mean, he is, but he's not really. He's almost more of a, a big slot receiver than he is a tight end. Um, but he can run those seam routes that guys have ran, right? That Gronk has run, that Hunter Henry, I think, has run pretty well. And I think he might be better at that. And he's a good red zone threat. And so, you know, I'm excited about the prospect of that. I don't know how well he fits enough. I thought Dalton Schultz would have been a better, would have been a better fit here because he's a better blocker. But he signed for very similar money to Gasecki. Now, Gasecki's contract might have way less. You know, I don't know what the guarantees look like and everything like that. So who knows? But the contract was similar to what Gasecki's is. Um, and so I was a little surprised by the Dalton Schultz one. Okay, fine. But at the end of the day, I think it's another weapon and another kind of tool that O'Brien can play with. Now, like if you come out in a base formation and you have two tight ends, you know, with Henry and, and Gusecki, I mean, are they going to maul you on the offensive line? Not necessarily, but you kind of feel like you have to put out linebackers. And then if you spread those guys out wide, now all of a sudden you have some mismatches. And I think, I th- put it this way, I think Mike Gusecki is a far superior tight end to John o. Smith, a far superior tight end to John o. Smith. Um, and I think, so that's, a, that's an upgrade for me, for the Patriots in that perspective. Now they're not done at that spot yet, uh, you know, my last mock draft, I had them taking Darnell Washington in the second round because I think he might, you know, he could help them or somebody like that that can actually block. Um, but I do think that, like, he provides some of that mismatch stuff 
that O'Brien loves. O'Brien loves to find a mismatch, and if you can have Henry and Gusecki on the field at the same time, that kind of forces the team to choose something. Um, and I think that you can you can find a mismatch with one of those two guys. Yeah, I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, uh, Gusecki only blocked on like ten percent of his snaps or something right. ridiculous like that. And so, like at the end of the day. 4.5 million with an incentive heavy contract to get up to 9 million for one year for what your de facto wide receiver three or four. Not bad. Like, like it, it's, it's not a big risk here. Right. Speaking of receivers, uh, do you think Juju is going to be like the guy? Is he the number one receiver in this offense? How do you feel about the receiver room right now? If they don't add anybody else, any confidence there, they need to add another guy. And there was a lot of talk about Deandre Hopkins, but I'm not going to get too deep into that unless it actually happens. So uh, how do you guys feel about how the offense looks from a receiver standpoint? I mean, that's a great question. Zoe apparently, apparently claims that there's going to be some big news on Thursday. We'll see if that actually comes to fruition or not. But I do think they have to do something else. Um, I think that they've built enough depth where they can be okay, where they're not going to be terrible if they have to start the season with this receiving core. The problem is they don't have anyone that's great. They have decent receivers. I think Juju was an upgrade over Jacoby Myers. I love Jacoby Myers, but I think that Juju fits the Patriots offense a little bit better because he's better in in a zone against zone defenses. He's better after the catch. I think that he provides some um, burst and athleticism that Jacoby didn't have. Now, he doesn't have some of the things that Jacoby has, and so you know there's trade-offs either way, but I do think um, that he's going to provide some things. I think Tyquan Thornton has a chance to take a step up this year as well. So I think that that can be helpful. And I honestly, you know, and so we'll see. And maybe Kendrick Bourne, you know, we'll see what happens there. I think they have to make a move, though. The problem is I'm not trading a first-round pick for Jerry Judy. Absolutely not. I'd think about sending 46 and a fourth-round pick, which supposedly was the was the, was the the offer that went to Denver by the Patriots. I wouldn't hate that for Jerry Judy, but like, then you also got to pay him a ton of money. If yeah. you can get DeAndre Hopkins for a fourth or a fifth, I mean, I'm on board with that. Or you trade back in the first round and draft Zay Flowers. I'm on board with that too, right? Or you sit at 14 and draft JSN when he's there. So, you know, I think I think that they're not done yet. But what they did, and this is what Matt and I talked about last week, is that although I don't think they're done. They're not in a position where they're saying we absolutely have to do this and we're going to be screwed if we don't do this. And so I think that, yeah, you want Hopkins or you want Judy or you want to draft a wide receiver in the first round, but you're not going to, you're not going to overreach for one of those guys because you have a competent receiving room right now. If you started the season tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually really like, the receiver room in its current state, not saying it can't be improved on. It absolutely can. But uh, the two numbers that I go to uh, is Devontae Parker and Kendrick Bourne are number one and number two in Bill Belichick's Patriots history for yards per target. Supremely efficient receivers. Uh, and Parker did that in an absolutely disastrous offense. Yeah. So he was very effective when he was on the field. That's the big if. He's dealt with a lot of injuries. Same with Juju. Uh, Jacoby, you know, had a, a few minor ones, but like in general, he had been reliable. I think the upside of this offensive trio 
especially if it means that Kendrick Bourne gets more opportunities and is utilized in a way that Matt Patricia just refused to do last year. If Kendrick Bourne can show the flashes of who he was two years ago, and if Parker can grow off of what he did last year, which was a relatively pretty good season, all things considered. And if Juju, who's coming off, I believe it's the second best season of his career. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes throwing him the ball. Completely different scenario. Um, But the upside that Juju has where, you know, his three best seasons are better than Jacoby's single best season. Like Juju has far greater upside. Maybe Myers had a, like a little bit of a higher floor, maybe, but like Juju is a better player overall and having those trios, like as the top three receivers, adding in Jusecki who has produced, uh, you know, in the past in a Chad O'Shea offense, he's mm-hmm. produced, uh, you know, with under Brian Flores when he was with the dolphins. Um, throw out that like wild history where Bill O'Brien recruited him to Penn state, even though he didn't actually coach him. Like there are enough things that line up that I feel like the offense has improved over where it was last year. And I think last year doesn't get a fair shake based off of how poorly that offense was structured. So I think the floor would have already increased just with actual coaching. Uh, uh, Taylor Kyles is all about this right now, but just like Adrian Clem being the offensive line coach, yeah. world's difference to have like an actual good offensive line coach bill o'brien calling the place have an actual good play caller already makes the floor go so much higher and then to make the talent also improve over that as receivers i think that this is a team that could threaten to be a top 10 offense again like if, even if mac jones like plays as he did as a rookie and i think he's better than that now mm-hmm. uh, i think that they could be a fringe top 10 if they add another receiver, if they do the Hopkins move or whomever that wide receiver move might be to push them into like the top six or seven offenses. I mean, you look at how strong that defense was last year. You see how many players they're bringing back. If this is a team that can put forward a top six offense, top six defense, as they did last year, they are immediately on the same page as the chiefs, uh, as the bills, as the Bengals and the Eagles for being that top tier team in the league. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, 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 it's amazing. They're, they've always been like one or two pieces away for a while now. And, you know, they're on the cusp of getting that. I think they've had a really good off season so far. I think it's a classic Patriots off season and it's just such classic like Patriots fandom and Boston media to be simultaneously bashing the Patriots for not making any moves in this off season as they bash the Patriots 2021 contracts. And they went big in the off season and signed all these free agents. Uh, it's just such classic kind of how how we think around here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, and one thing I think that wasn't really talked about a whole lot last season, I tried to harp on it, but no one listened as usual. But I feel like the loss of Ty Montgomery or like the lack of like a true third mm-hmm. down back for literally yep. the first time in the Bill Belichick era uh, had a, had an impact. They've always had a third down back. Kevin Fox, Shane Vereen, Deion Lewis, Danny Woodhead, Rex Burkhead, even Brandon Bolden. For They've always had that one. James White, of course. They had that one outlet receiver, blitz pickup, change of pace guy. Mondre's yeah. a good pass catching back, but he's not like a third down back. I know they just signed James Robinson, but he's not like a pass catching back. So I wonder, even though that that, that backfield is, is pretty crowded right now, I wonder if they have one more signing to make as like a, a, a pass catching third down guy. I know that uh, – what's the guy from the Chiefs? Uh, Jarek uh, McKinnon, I think, still available. Yeah. Uh, he could be a good fit. Uh, I wonder if they'll bring in like a, one more kind of like smaller, shiftier pass catcher or if Pierre Strong is slated to be that guy now. So I, th- I think third down back is something they have to address, either not 
through free agency, but maybe like on the team already. But somebody has to take on that that third down back role because that's a Bill Belichick staple for an offense. No, it's true. And it's yeah. one of those areas, though, that like how have the Patriots brought up people to speed? Either they bring in a veteran who can plug in on day one or they put in a rookie. You know, look how they treated Shane Vereen. Look how they treated James White. You sit him for a year. They get the red shirt season. So, like, it could be Pierre Strong. It very well could be. Like, I, I think yeah. he has the dynamism to be really great at that role. But if they did need to bring someone externally, like, even though James Robinson isn't necessarily that tight, he's probably one of the most effective receiving backs of the past couple of years, even with his Achilles injury. Uh, and, and, like, he is someone that they brought on with high incentives to potentially fill that role to be the true number two. That is also one of my uh, biggest head-scratching moves of this this free agency period. It's like, I like the idea of adding James Robinson. The immediate follow-through of Damian Harris signing like a one-year, $1.5 million contract with the Bills after the Patriots gave like what could go up to a two-year, $9 million contract to Robinson. I was like, that feels a little weird. That that there's a little disconnect there for me. Yeah, it seemed kind of strange to do that, and I, I think that I think the idea is that Robinson has is a far superior pass catcher to Damian Harris. So I I guess the thought process is that if they don't have a guy that can catch passes on the backfield, if Pierre Strong doesn't work on that role, and by the way, Ty Montgomery is still on the team, so like theoretically, it could be Ty Montgomery again this year, right? So like if Ty Montgomery doesn't work out and Pierre Strong doesn't work out, well, then they have James Robinson who can theoretically be that guy more so than Damian Harris could, right? Maybe they felt like Harris, you know, got injured a lot, and they did, you know, I, I don't know why they decided to do that. It seems kind of strange to me, um, but, you know, I'm not I'm not really sure. Obviously, they wanted to move on because Harris could have been got for almost nothing, and they decided against that, and so um, that was a little head-scratching. I do think that, you could target that guy in the draft. I think there are some really good receiving backs in the draft. Keaton Mitchell is a guy from ECU that I really like a lot who is basically just a receiver uh, out of the backfield. The problem is, is that we've seen what they've done with first-year guys that are receiving backs. They they take a year off, you know, and then so you have to have someone that can fill in to do that this year, and then you kind of see what happens from there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, and I, I'm sure the James, ha- uh, James Robinson deal has kind of We've seen it all, but I feel like they can probably get out of that deal fairly easily if they needed to. Um, and so, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, we have him for two years, but it's not really two years, you know. And so, um, and if he comes into camp and looks great and and can be a guy that can be a number two and be potentially be receiving back, great. And if not, then no, just see you later. Like, have a nice life. Thanks for thanks for coming through. Thanks for giving us, you know, some looks in camp. But we like this guy better and that guy better. And and so, you know, you're out of here. So. Um, but it is, that's, it's definitely a little, it's head scratching when you consider, when you combine it with what Harris got with the bills, you're like, wait a second, what, what was the thought process here? You know? Yeah. And I mean, I think also like, look how Bill O'Brien has historically used receiving backs, uh, you know, like at his time with the, the Texans, when he had Duke Johnson, he threw the ball to him, but yeah. In general, it's like you have your lead back. Like the way that they did it is that he wants every back to be able to do it, which is honestly a better path. I've, I, that was one of my uh, axes that I like to grind with Josh McDaniels is that he made the offense a little 
too easy to understand for defenses where it's like, okay, you have like LeGarrette Blunt on the field. Like you're going to r- like run the ball 80% of the time he's on the field. Oh, and yeah. James White, you're going to throw it 75%. So like defenses knew how to key up a little bit. And so to be able to catch them off guard where, you know what, Stevenson, not a third down back, but you can throw him the ball and that's reliable. Maybe that's going to be how they're going to approach it here where you don't necessarily need a true third down back, but you can rely on all of the running backs to catch the ball out of the backfield. Yeah, makes sense. It makes sense. Uh, Alec, did you have one that was, by the way, my, um, we were talking about our, our favorites. Um, my favorite move of free agency was Juju. I wanted them to sign him last off season when he signed with the chiefs. Um, I was super excited to see them bring him in here. Um, I was pumped about it. So that that's that's my favorite one, even though it means letting Jacoby Myers go. Um, you know, I was uh I was really happy to see him come in. Yeah, no, I'm psyched for Juju. I I think he's a good fit. He's good in space. Uh I'm getting I'm guessing they'll they'll scheme him open in a lot of ways. And you know, I think he's the kind of guy like you if he totally flames out, it won't be this like massive shock. But I think the upside right. is really, really high. Um yeah. In terms of like the biggest head scratcher for me, free agency, I mean, it's not necessarily a head scratcher that they let him go, but just the entire punter situation with the Patriots, even though uh, Burns did a great job breaking down on Pat's pulpit, like I I still cannot for the life of me figure out what exactly happened from an all pro punter, Jake Bailey, just going to just like IR and suspended and released. Whole thing makes no sense. And they have no punt on the roster right now whatsoever. Uh, I'm sure that's like a late, they have like four six round picks. Maybe look at a six round punter or they'll bring back Pollard or whatever it is. I'm not like worried about not getting a punter, but I mean, he was the arguable MVP of that last Super Bowl, the Patriots yeah. won. So yeah. like punter is a really important part of like the field position game. And it coming off a season where uncharacteristically special teams was a massive liability for this team. Um, they got to address the punter somehow. Uh, hopefully it's, it's with somebody decent. Yeah, I mean, the report today that he gave to the press in Miami was that, like, he hurt his back during the offseason program with the Patriots because he was doing, like, they introduced this whole new, like, back squat thing that he was, like, never done before. But, like, I'll try it. I'm a team player. I'll participate in it. And then he hurt his back, and then it just wasn't the same after that, Um, which is super disappointing. It's always been, like, uh, the Patriots' kickers – have always been such a consistent part of the experience, not at the punter level, obviously, but going from like Vinatieri to Goskowski to Folk has been such a boon as a Patriots fan to not have to worry about it. But for the punter position to just rip our hearts out every, every three years is so sad because it's like, I thought Ryan Allen was great and he had that Super Bowl and then like, nope. Zoltan Mesco. I thought oh, he was great. I freaking love that guy so great. much. Yeah. You know, and it's just like you, you get one good year out of these punters, and then you get two mediocre to bad ones. And I'm just right. like, I just want them to get like an above average one that can just be above average. That's all I'm asking for. Yeah. Yeah. My, maybe Michael Turk is the guy this year from, from Oklahoma. I mean, who knows? You know, it's just, I do think that they, it's in, I don't want to say it's easily replaceable because it's not. But I think that, you know, if you're in the off season, it's easily replaceable. It, during the season, no. But if you know you need it and you're going out to get it and you like a guy in the draft, you can probably get him in the sixth round or, you know, at the end of the year or whatever the case may be. I mean, Marquette King is still out there kicking for the XFL. So yeah. maybe you could bring him along. I mean, who knows, you know? So um, 
I, I am interested to see that. And Team Crazy Matt is asking about Cam Acord. How the heck is he still around? I'm interested about Cam Acord and what that looks like and, and why you would have Joe Judge on the team still and he wouldn't take over as special teams coordinator. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, that's but, a money know. thing. That, that's absolutely. Very the true. Giants are still paying the bills, and you don't have to pay him until he's at the coordinator position. So, right. like, yeah, he'll take team minimum with the Patriots, and the Giants will just pay him the whole time. And like maybe he'll still be the same player or same coach behind the scenes, but Patriots don't have to flip the bill. Good point. That's a good point. So, that's yeah, that's something that I hadn't considered as well because that's very true. You know, you, you have that and there's no reason to pay him extra when you don't have to. Right. And if he doesn't care about the position, if he doesn't care about the title, then what difference does it make? You know? Yeah. So, um, no, good point. Good point there. So I do think two kicker is a, is a spot that, that they will bring someone in that, that Skywalker asked about that. Um, I think they bring someone in to compete with folk and whether he makes the team or not, whether folks done or not, I was worried at the end of the year that folk might be kind of cooked. I mean, he came up short in that 44-yard field goal, and I'm like, that's just hey, – that's a really bad look, man. I know it's kind of into the wind, but, like, it wasn't that bad a wind. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised. I, I know they like Jake Moody uh, from Michigan. You know, he was a Shrine Bowl guy with them. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, and maybe they maybe they turn around and draft him in the fifth round like they did. Hopefully it's better than the than the racist kicker they drafted. Um, but you know, what a, what a weird pick that was, Justin Rohrwasser. I mean, not not even like the tattoo aside, like he wasn't even like the fifth best kicker like available. It was right. weird. <laughs> he was, it like was a, really partial and like missed a bunch of kicks anyway. Yeah. Like I don't even know yeah. what the thought was there. Yeah. It was so weird. And the funny yeah. thing was like he got drafted and they were like, we have no film on this guy. We have nothing, <laughs> nothing. No one had any film on him anywhere. It's like you can't even see what happened. You know, it's like. Just it made no sense to me that one. What they so should do is take the punter from the Chiefs, Tommy Townsend, uh, original mm. pick tender for them, restricted free agent. Gotta go for it. You I know, like that. He, he gotta take it from the Chiefs. Absolutely do that. I like that. It's a good point. I mean, it's a good transition. I know it's kind of a free agency podcast, but the draft isn't that far away. We got a couple of weeks. Um, you know, I haven't really done my deep dive draft prep. I usually do when I you know, once, my, once my bracket is totally destroyed. I'm still in my, my pool, so I'm in college basketball mode right now. But you know, once that once I eventually crap out of that, I'll get more into my draft prep. Uh, Pats have a lot of picks this year. I think they have four, six rounders. They have the highest pick they've had naturally since Gerard Mayo, I think, in 2008 when they had the pick from the Niners. Yeah, um, pick seven. Uh, I don't know if you have any any early thoughts on you know who your like ideal first round draft pick is, Pat. But uh, I know you're kind of our resident draft guru. How do you feel about this draft overall? Are you excited about it? Are you excited about the depth of the class? I know some some positions are pretty shallow, some are pretty deep, and the Patriots have enough capital to move around the boards. What are your kind of early early prognosis on this draft? Early thoughts. I'm I'm in. I'm on mock draft 3.0. Sir. I've already <laughs> I've already sent out three mock drafts. Uh, I'm I'm knee deep in it. You know what I mean? I'm waist deep in it. Maybe. Um, no, I'm I'm excited about it. I think. I think that there may not be quite as much talent at the top as there was last year, where it was extremely top heavy last year. Mm-hmm. I do think it's a deep class. I think it's a deep class. And I think that there are starters at multiple different positions yep. that you can get, you know, the guy that you draft at 46, assuming you draft at 46 could be a guy that's starting for you day one. Right. And so obviously at 14, you're going to hope that guy is going to start, but then you have, you have guys that are super high ceiling. You know, Blake Freeland is a guy that yeah, I had them picking in, the, in this last draft who, you know, out of BYU, 6'8", guy's an absolute monster with, like, crazy athleticism who, like, they could bring him in 
and he probably isn't ready to start this year, but he's got crazy athleticism and, and like he could be their starting right or left tackle next year. Right. And you could get him in the third round this year, theoretically. So um, I do think that the top three corners, although they're not as good as the top two from last year. Right. I mean, sauce Gardner is on a whole nother level and Stingley I thought was an amazing player, but the top three corners are exactly what the Patriots need right now. Yep. Christian Gonzalez, Devin Witherspoon, and Joey Porter Jr. Though all three of those guys are big guys, they play physical in the run game. They're really good at man coverage. Like they're all kind of that same type of player, and the Patriots are desperate for a guy like that. Now, will I know those guys drop to fourteen? I don't know. But the good news is, is that if those guys don't draft to fourteen, you got to assume three to four quarterbacks are going to go before you draft at fourteen. And then, you know, maybe one or two tackles might go. You got to figure that, you know, Will Anderson's going to go. Yep. Van Ness might go. Jalen Carter's probably going to go. Now, all of a sudden, it's like JSM might be sitting there at 14 for you. And all of a sudden, yep. you're drafting, you know, a number one wide receiver at number 14 overall. So it's just, I think that there's enough talent there at 14 that you're going to get a stud. Um, and maybe they, maybe they decide to trade back. Now, they didn't. When they had, you know, they were on the clock with Mac at four, at fifteen. They drafted Mac Jones. Everyone had them trading back. They didn't. Maybe that happens again. Maybe they say, you know what, we're you know we're up here at fourteen. We're not trading back from fourteen. They usually trade back, but I think, see, what people sometimes forget about the Patriots. I think we all do, is that they look at the value of the players and they say, okay, if we're sitting here at twenty four or twenty six or twenty nine or thirty one. If we move back five picks, what the hell's the difference? Who cares? Like, it's the same. We're getting essentially the same guy at 34 that we're getting at 29, basically. And again, obviously, it doesn't exactly work out that way. But that's, you know, historically, that's basically the idea. At 14, if you're moving back 26 or something like that, those are two completely different players that you're getting, right? And so I, I think I wouldn't necessarily be surprised to see them stick at 14. They also have a ton of draft capital. Maybe they move up to 12 or something and take the guy that they want. Maybe one of those corners starts to drop and they say, you know what? We have the capital. Let's go up. Let's go up and get that guy. Um, and so, and maybe they won't, but I do think that um, I think that that's, it's at least plausible for them to do this year. Um, whereas last year it wasn't again, they're, they're drafting at, you know, what 21 last year. It just doesn't, it's seven picks later. That makes a massive difference. I mean, if you look at the Rich Hill draft chart, you can look at the look at let's look at the numbers, right? Like when once you get past like ten, those numbers start dropping significantly, right? And so yep. those are completely different players at the top of the draft. I would I wouldn't be surprised to see them stick at fourteen. And I think they're going to get an absolute stud at fourteen. I agree with that. I, I think that like in a vacuum, the player on the board that is ranked fifteenth versus thirtieth in this draft. Not very different, not very different at all. But the way that the draft board actually falls out with the right. fact that some quarterbacks that aren't actually one of those top 15 players will be taken ahead, will push some of those, you know, the odds that there is a top 10 player on the, like the consensus draft board is available at that point is very high. And the odds that they are at one of those three positions that the Patriots really need at top, like top tier player. Offensive tackle, cornerback, wide receiver. Those are the three areas that they need to get one of those top players. And the odds that uh, Johnson or JSN is available there, 
yeah, could happen. The any of those three uh, cornerbacks that you mentioned available, yeah, Skronsky or you know uh, PJ uh, the Ohio State one. Like, there's just so many different tackles yeah. that could be there as well. That like maybe in a different draft you get you know two or three tackles taken ahead of that point. But all that means is that the draft board can come to them. And within the context of how the Patriots have approached this free agency with how they've added in just in a very classic way that they've always done historically is that they've added in that mid range talent, that mid range ability where like if they had to start maybe one of those bottom rung starters within the league, but like not a get gaping hole to the point where like you, you have to fill it with someone else. And so they yeah. can let the board come to them and then they can address it and continue to improve that way. Yeah, I mean, the odds that at 14, like Jordan Addison is, is gone and Darnell Washington is gone. And who's that that tackle out of, out of Georgia? Robert Jones, that he's mm-hmm. gone. Like, I think they could basically, they, they've got like, we can, here's our number one guy at these four positions. One of them's going to be available at 14, just given the need of the 13 guys above, unless someone leapfrogs them or whatever. Right. Uh, I think there's going to be a, there is going to be an option or to draft an elite quarterback, an elite receiver, an elite tight end, or an elite tackle at 14, assuming they don't move, uh, which of course they will. They will trade out of the first round altogether. They will amass three or four second round picks. They'll use one of those second round picks on a D3 safety we've never heard of, trade the other two for a first round pick next year. And this will all be moot, but it's fun to talk about early on because a man can dream, you know. Right, right. Hey, listen. Sometimes, like in 2021, we all yeah. wanted a quarterback, and they did it, and they actually and, and we, did it. And it was like the one that we actually had projected to the Patriots. Like it right. made sense. <laughs> People had predicted it. Like yeah. it wasn't like it wasn't last year when they drafted Cole Strange, and there were there was no footage, and there was like the still image of the guy just like this, and that was all they could. Um, maybe there's something too, like Belichick actually listening to the mock draft gurus because the one time. In the past, like ten years, that the prediction actually came true, worked out pretty well. Yeah, yep. And Dar Pugo was talking about it right now. He said, "Never forget Pat's face." I was so. The funny thing is, is that you know I'm a big Phil Perry guy. Love Phil, uh, love Phil, and I love listening to him and Tom uh, their podcast. And Phil, for months before the draft, was saying at 15, if Mac Jones is there, he's the guy. For months, and I'm like, screw Mac Jones. They shouldn't draft. They should draft. I was a Fields guy, right? And yeah. so I'm like, Fields is the new, he's the new thing. Well, hold it. And for months, Phil's going on and on. And I'm like, shut up, would you? Like, and then they, of course they draft him. And 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 you know, I'm happy with Mac Jones. I still think I still think that Fields is a higher ceiling than Mac Jones, but nevertheless, oh, yeah. that doesn't matter. But <laughs> but it, but just the fact that they got the guy mm-hmm. that everyone was like, they're projected to draft this guy. And I will say the one thing about last year's draft that I think is looking up for the Patriots and it's kind of been a little bit of a trend for them really since 2020, I think is they've started focusing on the athleticism of players and they're seeing how much faster the game is. I remember in 2020 when we were like, Oh, they have cam and they have this guy. They're just going to pound everyone. They have like, you're going to come out with these like small, fast guys. We wouldn't come out with like big guys. We're just going to pound. And it's like, dude, that's not how it works. They're just going to run right by it. Like it's, <laughs> you can't play like that anymore. You know? And I think Belichick realized that in 2020, like, yeah, no, we can't play this way. We can't play this way anymore, right? So we need these athletic guys, these athletic freaks. I mean, is Marcus Jones a guy that the Patriots would have ever considered drafting in the second round? Like, who would have ever drafted? He's 5'8", 185 pounds, like maybe even less. 
They're going to draft that guy in the third round. Jack Jones weighs 170 pounds. They're going to draft that guy in the fourth. Like it just did, doesn't seem like the type of guys that they would normally draft, but the NFL is changing. And so I think at least that, that that's kind of what they're doing. I will say, I completely agree with you. I will absolutely agree with you. Ellis Hobbs, fourth round pick in like, oh, <laughs> six or something like that. But like literally that was my comparison for Marcus Jones of why I wanted them to take him coming out is that I was like, he's the perfect fit for what they know how to use here. But like without question, they're just getting much more athletic up and down the team. Like with like, that's been a very true part of how they've been trying to add talent to this roster is like, we just need to be faster. We're just a slow team. And right. part of that, I'm, which I've loved, is how they've incorporated that linebacker safety hybrid, um, which has been a position that Bill Belichick has tried to make happen for his entire career. And it just took the moment, like took the moment of the league uh, for it to work, for Pat Chung to go to the Eagles and come back and then yep. have that passing explosion happen for this safety linebacker hybrid to be a cornerstone piece of this defense. And now they have like 17 of them. Um, and I think that truly makes them a differentiated defense. And they're just collecting literally all of them. Any any safety yeah. that can play linebacker is now on the Patriots. Uh, and I'm here for it. Yeah, I mean, especially if you have a good coaching staff, you know, like if you have like a really talented athletic freak, and like you teach him some fundamentals, like he can probably learn that because he's a professional football player. Uh, but you can't, uh, to Al Davis, you can't teach speed. Um, right. you, there's, there's, you can't teach certain athleticism. And just as, as people, as human beings in general, just get bigger, stronger, faster. It's only going to get exacerbated in the NFL. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I think they had, they had a great draft last year. They had a great draft in 2021, starting to pay dividends. So hopefully they can keep that up this year with a great draft in 2022. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And, and I just think free agency too is one of those things. You know, you mentioned the spending spree in 2021. I think the team was just devoid of talent in 2020. They just weren't good. Yeah. And so you had to go out and spend a ton of money just to get guys to make you like a competent football team again. And so some of those worked out and some of those didn't, but enough of them worked out that you're like, hey, all right, we got some players now, right? And then you have two good, you know, back-to-back -back good drafts. And I think 2020 was a decent draft too. I mean, Duggar is, looks like a stud. And so, you know, you got a few other guys from 2020 as well. And so now you're looking at saying like, okay, we have an, a good enough team that we can really go out there and compete. And, you know, we don't have to go out and, you know, go on a crazy spending spree in free agency because, you know, we already have a competent enough team, you know, in those areas. We don't have to spend crazy money yeah, and hopefully they can use some of the free. So they still got some a decent amount of chunk of change left to their budget. They can use that. Maybe I'd love to see them extend Kyle Duggar this season. I think that should be a priority. Yes, this, you know, off season Absolutely. and this season, restructure his contract, give him a maybe extend Matthew Judon, maybe give him a, another whatever it is. Yeah, Michael and Wayne, another great example. Right. And I think there are guys they brought up in house. They can use some of that free agency money on just to restructure their contract. And uh, again, I still think they're maybe one year away from being legit contenders. But, yeah. um, you know, I think that like last year was kind of just a, a wash of a season for a lot of reasons. Uh, they're doing all the right things so far. And, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a very interesting AFC East, especially if this Rodgers deal comes through. And it's just an absolute cluster of, of weirdness. Um, I'm excited <laughs> to see how that works out for a lot of reasons. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's they always say the most popular sport in America is the NFL. And the second most popular sport in America is the NFL offseason. And right. uh, here we are, living proof of that. It's quite yeah. true.
No, totally. And like I've I've also felt like every move that they've made this offseason, I feel like has been pretty good. Like I like last year being a complete waste. Like no other way around it. Last year was probably one of the most frustrating seasons to watch as a fan, as someone to cover the team. There was just so many things that was just like, this is football 101 that we're missing out on right now. Right. What's happening? So for them to, in Mac Jones' third year in the league, to bring on Bill O'Brien, one of the best offensive coordinators Belichick's ever worked with, who, you know, Mac Jones and him, you know, never worked together in a true sense, but like Mac Jones taught him the Alabama offense. They know how to like communicate on things. He's the type of hard coach that they want. He's a creative coach that knows how to put players in positions to succeed. He's been in the college game, so he knows where the future state of the league is going to be. For year three, year four, who knows what will happen after that. But for year three and year four of Mac Jones' development, Bill O'Brien is absolutely the right fit to maximize the growth that he can have over this time because literally nothing else really matters on the roster because that's how this league works. If Mac Jones doesn't develop into one of those top, like consistent top 10 quarterbacks in the league, then they're never going to compete. Then they're going to have to restart. And so for them to put Mac Jones in the best possible position to succeed this year for the best possible position to grow, I am very excited. I am very excited about what this year holds. I agree. I agree. And listen, I think, and I've said, I've made this comparison before, and I'm going to keep making because I think it's the right comparison. We just need him to be Kirk Cousins. You don't need him to be better than that. He just needs to be Kirk Cousins, but he needs to not poop his pants in the playoffs. Like as long as he can be good in prime, if he can be Kirk Cousins uh, at a Sunday one o'clock game in the middle of November, that doesn't matter. If he can be that all the time, that's a top 10 quarterback and you can win with that quarterback. And so I think that that's important. Now, Marcus Jones season's asking a question. So I, I got to pull him up because it's Marcus Jones season. Uh, he did ask, we covered this already, but do you think, I mean, look at, look at that picture. Come on now. Um, <laughs> So, but, um, but, you know, you look at that and say, yes, I think that's part of the development. Should, do they need to trade for wide receiver one? Yes, they do. And, and again, we talked about this already, but like D hop Judy, I'm okay with either of those guys. I'm okay with drafting a, a wide receiver in the first round. If that's what the, if that's the route they want to go. I just think for me, if you're bringing, like, if you want Mac Jones to succeed as much as he possibly can. You have to give him one more weapon. You're almost there. You got to give him one more piece, though. Yeah. I mean, like, I think the trade in my head makes the most sense because Juju, yeah. gonna be here. Right. Kendrick Bourne is an interesting trade piece because there, in my mind, is not a world where you have Tyquan Thornton in the wings, you have Devontae Parker on an expiring contract. So, like, not sure how tradable he is. That Kendrick Bourne is an intriguing piece. That if you add another wide receiver, what are we doing here? Like, why, why even keep him? That would just right. be infuriating just to keep him on the keeping the Ferrari in the garage kind of a thing. Yeah. So for a team that might be interested in trading wide receiver, Kendrick Bourne as an exchange piece would be very interesting. I personally would love to see him get a bigger opportunity to show up for the Patriots, but it's one of those conversation pieces where like, you know, in the NBA, when it was just like uh, all the Celtics conversation was like, should we trade uh, for Kevin Durant with like Jalen Brown as one of the trade pieces? And it's like, 
love what the future might hold for Brown. But even Brown himself was like, no, I'd make that trade. That makes sense. I'd make that trade. And like in right. that sense of like, I'd love to see where Bourne could go. Well, we know what Hopkins is. We know that in the best environment, he's a top five receiver in the league. He's only 30, like obviously like has his ups and downs kind of a thing, but like, you know what you're getting with him. And it's one of those trades that you'd be like, okay, I'd rather get the receiver I know than try and bank more on potential when like that might not even happen. Yeah, I mean, I, if they're going to get a receiver, please trade for one. Do not draft one. I'm sick of the Patriots drafting receivers uh, that aren't named Julian Edelman, honestly, <laughs> and he's a quarterback. The only problem is, like, I hard, also feel like – yeah, like <laughs> I mean, like you know, like Nikhil Harry didn't work out, Chad Jackson didn't work out, Josh Boyce, Aaron Dot. Like I can, I can rattle off all the receivers oh, yeah. they drafted in the first that didn't work out. Um, the thing is, like I feel like receiver, you you can be successful in the NFL without like a true legit WR one. Like you can, like there aren't that like the Chiefs have Travis Kelsey, he's a tight end, but like there aren't that many teams that have this just like beast of a receiver. Right, they just don't. And so as long as the asking price isn't too high, and I think the Brandon Cooks trade to Dallas really kind of set the market interestingly. Uh yeah. in that, you know, was it a fourth and a fourth and a fifth or something fourth along? Uh, I didn't think get Cooks. I would I have made that, was, that trade every was, single day. I think actually it was a fifth and a sixth, I think. Fifth and a sixth, even even worse. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I feel like any kind of you know, first round or multiple picks for for a D hop or a Judy, like as long as they don't break the bank on this, I'm all for it. But I think receivers like like running backs. I think they are replaceable in the right system, mm-hmm. and for the right price, it's a great deal. Otherwise, I wouldn't I wouldn't stress too much about it. Yeah, no, I agree, and that's you know, and look, maybe you draft one too, but later you don't have later. to draft yeah. one, and you know, in the first few rounds, and you draft one in the you know fourth fifth round, and you kind of see what you get, you know, from a guy like you know Mims or Bryce Ford Wheaton or someone like that. You know what I mean? So, um, but it is you know I, I'm I'm interested to see what they do. I just think I think. Like Hopkins would be so good here. I think Judy would be so good here. Like any either of those guys would be awesome. And and again, instantly you're upgrading your offense and you're becoming, like Rich said, a top ten, a top ten in offense in the NFL. Yeah. And I mean, you, you look at all the other wide receivers that'll be free agents in 2024. It's a stacked class. Oh, I think yeah. Michael Pittman would be great. Brandon Ayuk would be great. You know, Mike Evans is has a void year. So like he could be obtained. I know the Bucks would take dead space, but like that's the space that they're operating in. They're not looking right. for anyone big. Uh, Curtis Samuel is someone who will be a free agent. So, so like someone that uh, hasn't ever really like manifested all of their ability, but is someone that like in a Debo Samuel sense has always made sense as a really good Patriots fit. Um, there's just like a lot of receivers that could be made available uh, in that like, uh, you know, if the Patriots don't want to wait till next year, free agency and likely a lot of these teams, if they're not contending might be willing to part with. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. And, and you know, we'll see if those guys get extended, right? Michael Pittman might get extended. Ayuk might, might get extended, but Ayuk, no space kinda, for him for the 49ers. That's the thing. He kind of feels like a guy that, you know, could be, uh, you know, no one's talked about him getting traded, but he could be a trade partner. You know, I mean, they could how, say, how do you pay him with Debo Kittle and McCaffrey? You can't pay him. That. Right. Right. You know, and so um, that's an interesting situation because you have a rookie quarterback, and that's a whole nother disaster. Um, but you know, but it is that's really uh, that's a fascinating look at at a team right there too. So that's uh, got a rookie contract, a quarterback with a rookie deal, but still has no cap space because of all the other players that you have on your team, and your rookie quarterback still might not be good enough to get you anywhere. So um, 
that's, you know, it's just, it's, that's an interesting spot. So IU could be a guy that's on the move. No one's talked about it yet. And, you know, but he might be a guy. So, so we'll see. But I just do think, you know, bring another guy in for Mac and, you know, and kind of go from there. And then your offense is your offense. And the defense needs one more. I think the defense needs one more outside, outside corner. I think that obviously you got, you need to say they need size. <laughs> Yeah. They do. They do. Because, look, I love Emmanuel Forbes, but they can't draft Emmanuel Forbes weighing in 166 pounds of the combine. Like, you can't draft that guy with Marcus Jones, Jack Jones on your team already, and John Jones. They're all small guys. Like, you can't you can't now throw 165-pound Emmanuel Forbes out there, too. Like, that's crazy. You'll get just get run over every play. So, uh, you got to have someone with a little bit of size. So, we'll see. Yeah. We will get a – Hopefully but, not yeah. one of those classic second round quarterbacks. That would just be so infuriating. Don't even, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, don't put that. Listen, I think I think Julius Brents would be an awesome guy to draft. He's a guy with a ton of size from K State, but he's going to be yep. a second round corner. So then it's like, well, they're going to draft him in the second round. Is that worth the tr- is that worth the shot to draft him in the second round? But I, I, you know, like I think he actually can play, and he's got a ton of athleticism and stuff. So you know. Third. Take the guy in the third. I don't need them to take him in the second. Like, just just take someone in the third. It's much better. It's, right. uh, that's the math. Do you, do you yeah. think the college cornerbacks know the history of the Patriots second round dra- draft class of cornerback? And they're like, no, oh no, don't <laughs> cover <me> right now. <laughs> they <laughs> certainly <laughs> might. They, they might. certainly don't might. Think. Yeah. Just, you know, don't, I'll go to England in the first round, the third round, but just don't draft me in the second. Right. I refuse to sign. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Dark Blue Gold mentions can they combine them into some, oh, into some sort of super DB like the Power Rangers? Look, by Voltron. the way, it's Voltron you're thinking of, not Power Rangers. Oh, great point. Well, Power Rangers do combine well, as well. Thank God they well, make they a giant Megazord. Yeah. yeah That's how yeah. that works. Uh, by the way, Alex. no, he knows that he knows the key to my heart as well. Little Trey Nixon, little Trey Nixon, uh, Trey Nixon picture right there. That's my guy, Trey Nixon. He could be the he could be the the wide receiver one for the Patriots this year. You never know; their never problems know. could be solved. You know what, what I mean? about what happened to Christian Wilkerson? Why didn't they keep him? <laughs> I know that seems strange. Well, I don't know. They, they have enough guys, I guess, and they just I don't know. Wilkerson was up or down. Who knows? He was a fringe guy, anyways. You know, it's just kind of like. Move on, ready to go, I guess. So, my last thought on cornerbacks is that, like, with Jack Jones finishing the season suspended, I don't know if we'll ever see him again. That's my thought is that uh, he was great as a rookie. He did a very good job. But we've seen a lot of rookie defensive backs. Tavon Wilson, people don't remember this. He played very well in his limited time as a rookie before the yeah. Seahawks game. And then he made the same mistake twice. <laughs> yeah. And he never saw the field for the rest of his time with the Patriots on defense, despite being a core special teams player, because he made that mistake twice. That was it. And like that, they didn't really have safeties at that point. I believe that was like 20. 13 2012 or something like that 2012 i think yeah Yeah. and like it might have been 13 that was when like it was sterling Moore and james ahead about like as the safety duo like they they did not have people 2011 they had all 13 different people play safety i remember that number distinctly and they didn't have and so like that is why we've seen it in the past that if a rookie makes a mistake i don't know if i have a belief that they would be allowed back onto the field 
and so if I were prognosticating how the Patriots would approach the draft with the offseason, I think that they would say, we have Jonathan Jones back, which is huge, and we have Marcus Jones. Jalen Mills is back as a safety. That has been a clear communication. And you got Miles Bryant, like, who's a fine nickel corner. But, like, is he that the- means – yeah, he's fine. He, he, he's one of those nickelbacks that like obviously gets like the brunt end of the stick because he has such high leverage roles. And then he makes, you know, you know, he loses one or two plays a game and those are big looking plays and yeah. his name is attached to it. Um, but other than that, he's, he is a, he's a solid slot player. He's, he's not a net negative when he's on the field, but what that is, is you got three cornerbacks that are five, nine and shorter. Uh, and so they need, 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 need size. Uh, and just like all of the players that you mentioned as potential first round picks, Pat, but also I know that this is like a relatively solid class for other picks that they can get in the second and third round for the position. I think Kuiper said today, like he expects 20 to 25 guys in this draft to be starters in the NFL. It's like at some point in their career to be starters in the NFL. Uh, corner, which is outrageous. I mean, I, also that number is stupid. I mean, I can't imagine that's actually true. But you know, I guess there's a potential for the, for some of those guys, and it shows you shows you the depth there. We'll we'll see. Uh, the one thing I'll say about Jack Jones is that the Tavon Wilson thing that you mentioned was an on field issue where they couldn't trust him on the field. Jack Jones, they may not be be able to trust off the field, but if he proves that he's reliable off the field. He's already proven to be fairly reliable on the field. And so if, you know, if they can trust him to be reliable enough off the field, then they can say, okay, you know, it was just a bump in the road. It's no big deal. But we know you're going to be in the right place on the field. Um, and I think that's the one thing that I would say there. You're not wrong. Certainly not wrong in, in you know, previous history. But I'm holding out hope that um, – you know, that, that he, that it was a bump in the road from him. It was some sort of mistake that he made and, you know, and they're over it and they can trust him on the field because he was arguably the best corner last year when, you know, when he was out there. So, but, but we'll see. Also Marcus Jones season uh, says that we need to get a, a Bill and Gasecki gritty dance this season. If Bill Belichick does the gritty on the sideline with Mike Gasecki, I think the world might end. That might be the apocalypse. Like that might that might be the end of the end of mankind. It's it's like when Belichick dressed as a pirate for Andy Moss's Halloween party. It's one of those moments where you're just like, is he is he a human? So good. What is this? Yeah. He's not going to call it the gritty though. He's going to have some ridiculous. Oh things. yeah. Yep. Yep. I really It's too funny. I mean, I can't wait until he calls Tic Tac Tic Tac. He's going to call it Tic Tac. I mean, it's going to be great. Like you know, that's just yeah. I haven't seen I haven't seen Juju's Tic Tacs, but you know, I mean, I'm sure you know whatever. He keeps busy and stuff. So we're here to talk about football. I don't really care about Tic Tac. Right. I by the way, I am trying. I do have a math TikTok out there at Mr. Lane Math. If you're if you're into that kind of thing, trying to get Juju. To uh to do to do a joint TikTok with me, um, get the kids involved in some math stuff. I think they'd be pretty cool. Uh, so it's never gonna happen, but like yeah. whatever, dude, tweet it out never at them, and and you never know. So uh, I'll just keep saying it every week and and tweeting at them, and we'll see what happens. Awesome. So, anyways, I think it's it. You guys, you yeah. guys got anything else you wanna you wanna mention? 
no, again, just looking forward to this next chapter in, in podcast yeah. nonsense. Um, but uh, thanks for, for a good time, guys. This was fun. Yeah, yeah it was. It definitely was fun. Uh, Alec, I don't know if you noticed, we, we had just hit like episode 300. Uh, huh. So I feel like this is as good a time as any to, to restart the counter. Indeed. 300. My goodness. That's that's some that's some commitment right there. Yeah. That's some commitment right there. There are people that have not had a relationship as long as you guys have been have been together. So it's uh it's pretty cool. So anyways, uh yeah, so we're excited about it again. Just a reminder, um, we are not we're not going anywhere. If you're listening in podcast form, nothing is going to change except for the name of the feed that you're listening to. That has changed already to Pat's Nation uh network. The YouTube page is going to change from Pat's Pulpit to Pat's Nation Network as well. That will happen. Um, and so, you know, we'll provide links for all that stuff once we get that up and running. And the name of Rich's and Alex podcast is going to be different. Of course, it can't be the Pat's Pulpit podcast anymore. But it instead is going to be Patriots First and Goal, which I just think is an awesome name. Uh, so it's uh, it's pretty sweet. So the Pat's Nation Network will have the two shows on there still. Every week, you'll be getting multiple shows uh, from both of us during the season. And so you'll have tons of content just like you have before. Uh, it just won't be under the Pat's Pulpit name. So uh, anyways, that's it. That's the big announcement. And so I am uh, hope – thank you for coming along with us, Rich and Alec. Thank you for uh, for coming on live with us. It was fun. It was fun. And hopefully you guys can make it through uh, during, during draft night. I know it's a crazy night for everyone involved. Um, but we're hoping we can get some people on as well uh, that night. So it'll be fun. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yep. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Right, guys. Have a great night, everyone. All right. Bye. See you.